we go into the message, um, there's something that, that I just felt like was on my heart this morning as we were singing, as Lindsay was praying. Um, and and uh, you can go ahead and have a seat real quick. You don't, you don't have to stand up. But um, I was thinking about the uh, story of, what, is it Hansel and Gretel that left the breadcrumbs? Is that right? Is that who that is? Yeah. Okay. I'm not really up on my nursery rhymes and all that kind of stuff, those kind of things right now. But I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how um, in our lives so many times um, we find ourselves wandering away from God. You know, uh, one of the songs we sing um, talks about how we have hearts that are prone to wander and how many times... Um, hearts often will wander away from God. We, we kind of wander away and, and go our own way. Um, and sometimes we don't even realize it's sort of a slow drift away from the Lord. And yet, isn't it amazing as Lindsay was singing and praying and, and just really sharing her heart through her prayer, um, how God's love pursues us in that. And it's almost like God works in a way to leave a trail for us to come back. Like he, he leaves this path, he, he, he reveals himself sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways, but the Holy Spirit never quits pursuing us to bring us back and, and he leaves us this trail, this pathway back that, that in our own minds even, we don't deserve. And yet his love is so incredible, it's so great, it's so powerful. Um, that, that he never stops that pursuit. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you find yourself even in your relationship with God having wandered, maybe a lot, maybe a little, maybe it's just been a week where you've taken your eyes off the Lord um, this morning. Maybe this is one of those ways, um, one of those markers for you where God's turning your eyes and your heart back to him. Now here's the crazy thing about God. When we wander off, we don't have to do a bunch of stuff to earn favor with God again. We repent, we turn, we come back and God is there to welcome us, to love us, to be there for us. When we turn from our ways and turn to him, it's not like we go through this period of earning that back. We can't earn back what we can never earn in the first place. And so um, I wanna encourage you this morning that for some of us, many of us, maybe all of us in some way, God is calling us back. He's calling us home where our heart really belongs, where our heart really finds rest, where our heart um, really comes alive. And so my prayer is for you this morning that, that we would find that. We wouldn't hold on to our own ways. We wouldn't be stubborn in our ways. But they would, we would humble ourselves and turn to the Lord and come home to where our heart belongs, to where we belong, um, allowing God to rule and reign over us. So I want to pray for that real quick, and then we'll jump into uh, what God has for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your love for us the power of your grace and mercy. God, that you never do quit pursuing us. I pray right now that this would even be a time of repentance for us. 
a time of turning, a time of coming back to you, Lord. And God, we worship you for who you are and all that you do, Lord. We thank you for the power of your presence, the power of your grace, the power of your love. Lord, be exalted, be exalted, even through the preaching of your word, Lord. We thank you for it. We worship you this morning. We continue to lift our hearts to you and celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm finishing getting set up here. I want to um, first welcome you. Glad you're here. Um, second, I want to give you a little information about some things that are going on um, this week or changed this week. One of those is, um, the main thing is this, the, the, the Equipping Academy that we're starting um, there's some time to still sign up for that. We were planning on starting that this morning, but there were some things that uh, came up, um, some folks that were quarantined and different things like that that were going to be a big part of that. And so we're going to push that back to October 4th on the start date. And so um, if you want to be a part of that, you still have time uh, to, to join in on that. And I would encourage you to... Um, to go and sign up for that at the next step table. You can sign up online. What that is, is it's going to be a really a more intense version of those close the gap sessions that you've heard us talk about. And some of you have been through, um, it's an opportunity to connect the truth that you know to, uh, truth you've experienced where there's usually a gap that exists there, um, for many Christians and truth that we've heard and, and has been taught to us all of our lives and then truth we've experienced. And so, um, it's an opportunity, um, to receive real practical training in your walk with the Lord, okay? It's not for people who feel called to ministry or anything like that. It's not just for them. Um, it's for anybody who really just wants to have practical training in growing in their relationship with God and helping to lead other people in that. And so I wanna encourage you to still go and sign up for that. You can be a part of that. Um, it'll start again October 4th. That'll be at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and so uh, if you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to go and sign up and, and do that. Um, now, we're going to continue the series, To Be Continued. Uh, we're going through the book of Acts. We started this last week looking at verses 1 through 5. Today, we're still in Acts 1. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 12 this morning. Um, and to catch you up just a little bit, last week we talked about how um, it, the series is named To Be Continued. The reason it's named To Be Continued is because um, Jesus's mission and, and what he began to do and teach, as it says in Acts 1, um, that, that, as Luke is writing this, this, this uh, book of Acts, he says um, that the ministry of Jesus, what Jesus began to do and to teach, um, happened in the gospel he wrote, which was the gospel of Luke. Now we come to Acts and Luke is writing, telling us how um, Jesus, uh, Jesus continued to do and teach those things. He began, but he continued to do and teach those things through the Holy Spirit, um, through um, his church, through people. It was no longer Jesus's physical body on earth doing and teaching these things. Now it was his spiritual body, the church, the people, through the power of the Holy Spirit that he would continue to do these things. So Jesus's um, mission, Jesus's movement continued um, by the Holy Spirit through his people, the church, 
Um, and, and that is to continue today. We talked about how when we finally, when we get to the book of Acts, the end of the book of Acts, um, again, we see that there's no ending to the book. It's really left open-ended because this is something that's intended to continue, okay? It wasn't continued to, or intended to stop. And so that's what we're really looking at. That's why we call this first part of the book of Acts to be continued um, as we look at the first couple of chapters of Acts. And so um, we're gonna pick up in uh, verse six of chapter one there. And this will be our main text for today. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll read this and we'll jump in. It says, so then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And so we've just read in verse five where he's promised that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, immersed, um, uh, consumed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gonna come upon them just as John had said, just as Jesus had said, and just as the Father had promised. And so um, they're asking him this question though, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the skies he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And so what we see here is in verse 12, they do what Jesus told them. They go back to Jerusalem and they're gonna wait there um, and not being idle, but praying and worshiping and being obedient to Christ, waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And so when we pick this up here, um, we see that, that Jesus has told them, look, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, this is what you're going to do. And so um, as we look at this passage, uh, I want you to see where um, if you go from Acts chapter one to Acts chapter 12, really, what you begin to see is an outline for the entire book of Acts. Um, it, it basically shows us how the book of Acts is going to be lined out. Um, and so we see where um, the book of Acts is gonna take us and it's gonna carry us through um, the gospel going from uh, Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's literally laid out that way. And so we're gonna see that as we go through the book of Acts. And so this really lays this out. Um, and so today, though, we want to really look at one thing. I want the thought of this to really be geared around the kingdom, the kingdom of God. What does this mean? What does this look like for us? So this whole thought today is going to be geared around the kingdom um, that the, uh, the apostles, the disciples ask about and that Jesus then talks about. Um, how many of you have ever... Uh, realize like maybe in your life, I don't know if some of you have thought about this before or not, I have, um, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that, but how many have ever felt like, man, there's a greater purpose for my life, maybe than what you've encountered, maybe, what, maybe than what you're currently even doing? Has anybody ever felt like that? Like there's a greater purpose for my life. Um, I started kind of feeling like that when I was a child, 
Um, and, and sometimes you got to be careful about that a little bit because you can start thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be something, you know what I mean? And, but I think there is a healthy aspect of that because many people, I think, wonder about what is my purpose. And I do believe that we all have a very important purpose. Um, when that thought started coming to me first, I can remember uh, being probably, I don't know, maybe five or six years old. And I would go to my great grandmother's house and we're kind of country folk. And so she was one of these ladies who dips that old snuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Does anybody have a grand grandmother that dips snuff? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I, I don't know why, right? I don't know why back then it was like, you know, pour it, she pour it in the top of the cup and put it in my, anyway, you know, um, I'd go over there and then, uh, talk to her and, and, and she was, I'd been around, she lived actually 96 years. And so she'd seen a lot of things and she'd been a part of things, pretty remarkable to think about. Um, I think she was born in 1899. So she literally saw people go from riding in a horse and carriage to um, the man landing on the moon. That's pretty remarkable, right? Um, and so you think about that, kind of um, actually lived right up uh, until even the, the internet and stuff like that began. So how does that, like, that's crazy, right? In a hundred years, how do we make that kind of advance? But that's beside the story. Um, but when I would go see her, she would often tell me, she would say, um, you're gonna be a preacher one day. Nah, not me. I'm gonna be a baseball player, right? That's what I would say. I was like, nah, I'm gonna be a baseball player. And, and so she, but she would consistently, when I would go, she'd say, you're gonna be a preacher one day. And I, I didn't think a lot about it at the time, just thinking, oh, she's old. And so, um, and just kind of would go about my business. And so that happened. Well, well, then when I was in high school, I began to go to church with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, and never really been in church a lot. Um, and so when I started going with her, I got to know the youth pastor. And so uh, I remember when the youth pastor was leaving, um, I went down there at the last service to tell him bye. And when he hugged my neck, he told me, he said, you don't know it yet, but one day you're going to be a preacher. I'm like, all right, big guy, we'll see you. Have, you know, enjoyed you, whatever. And, and didn't think much about it. Well, then as Susan and I kept dating, um, we came to this place where, uh, you know, we were, you know, been dating for several years and, and, you know, I really felt like, Hey, this is the, the person I'm going to marry. Well, Susan started talking she, about how she felt like God had shown her she would marry a preacher one day. And you got to understand, I was far from a preacher. I was even close to, I was even close to being like a Christian, much less a preacher, a pastor, doing what I do every Sunday. And she'd always be like, I just feel like I'm gonna marry a pastor. And I'm like, you need to marry Tom because I'm not gonna be a pastor, right? And Tom was the guy we knew, good looking guy, knew he was called to ministry. I'm like, look, I love you. And I feel like, you know, you're the one I'm supposed to marry and all that stuff. But here's the reality, I'm not gonna be a pastor. But all of that stuff kind of worked to kind of help me start thinking, maybe God does have a bigger purpose for my life, right? And starting to, to think maybe there's something more to this, more than I'm supposed to do. I want you to see in this passage uh, today that basically what Jesus is telling us is that there is a bigger purpose for your life. If you want to know what your purpose is, then we're going to talk about that today. And your purpose is not tied up in the world. Your purpose is, 
is consumed, it's wrapped up in the kingdom of God. I want you to look at verse six again. He says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God. When Jesus first comes on the scene, his message was repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus had brought the kingdom to earth in himself. And so the kingdom of God was something that he talked about. He told parables where he would start the parables and he would say the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would teach parables. It's something he taught on all the way through. Um, they would talk about a, a physical kingdom. He's like, no, look, the kingdom of heaven is like, and so he's trying to get them to see this. And he comes to this place where he is about to ascend. He's been pouring everything he can into these um, disciples for three years, trying to get them to see this, understand this. And then he is about to ascend and he says, guys, listen, go to Jerusalem and wait because it's not gonna be long and you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the one that the, John the Baptist talked about, the one I've talked about, and the one that the Father promised even back in the Old Testament prophets that the Holy Spirit would come. And then they look at him and they say this, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And can you imagine Jesus, like he knows he's like, I'm fixing to go, right? And he's like, I'm leaving this with them. And here they are, they're still asking about this physical kingdom. They're still asking about this physical kingdom. And Jesus says to them, he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Um, how many of you ever have gotten a, a you've asked a question of somebody or you asked somebody, you know, can we do this? Or, or maybe when you're a child, you asked something and they said, not yet, right? No, not no, but not yet. It's kind of like that with my, my youngest son. He, he always wants to, he, he's like, can I get this for my birthday? Not yet. Can I get this for my birthday? Not yet. And then I'm like, Reed, you do realize, son, you've asked for 20 things for your birthday since April. And he's like, yeah. We, we can't do all that. But it's, it's a not yet. Like your birthday's in November. He's been wanting a bow, like so he can go hunting. And he's like, I want, can I get a bow? Can I get a bow? And he's like, I'm gonna ask my grandparents if they'll give me an early birthday present. I'm like, that's between you and your grandparents. Like I don't get between you and your grandparents, whatever, you know, that's between you. And I'm like, well, he ain't gonna get it. Well, we bought him a bow Wednesday. And so, um, so sometimes not yet for him, like he just keeps on digging. You know what I mean? And so, um, but, but, but the thing is that Jesus isn't telling them there'll never be a restoration of the kingdom of Israel. What Jesus is telling them is not yet, not yet. He's saying not yet. And so I want you to see this. And he says, but, he says, but this is what you're to be about. And so I want you to see this. I did a little timeline of this. Um, we talked about this a lot, that at creation in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God gives a very clear purpose to mankind, that they're to fill the earth, they're um, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. In other words, rule over the earth in a way that brings God glory, that, that literally Habakkuk 2, 14 fills the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so um, when we look at this, we see that that commission is given to the the. Um, to Adam, to Eve, to the first people on the earth, that that is what they were created to do. But then we know um, that the fall happens. We see that in Genesis chapter three, sin happens. Um, when sin happens, 
um, man's ability to do what they were created to do is lost. They, they lose the ability to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Their own relationship with God is, is messed up. Um, and so they're separated from God. They can no longer fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord because they no longer have intimate knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so what we see is that the, the, the God of this age, the prince of the world, gains authority over the world. Right, And so we see God working out a plan from the fall all the way to the birth of Jesus. Here's a little secret for you as, as you um, begin to look up here and, and maybe zoom in on this a little bit for people at home. Take a picture. It's easier than writing it. So if you want to take a picture of it and then you can have it, go back and look at it later. Um, but, but until the birth of Christ, we see this, that the authority on the earth is given to the prince of this world. If you go and look at the temptations of Jesus in Luke 4, Matthew 4, you look at these. One of the temptations was Satan told him, he said, um, why don't, he said, if you will just worship me, he tells Jesus, if you will worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms. I have authority to give you the kingdoms of the world. Um, this has been given to me, this authority. And so we see this. He's the prince of the world. The God of this age, he had authority over the world. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And in John chapter 12, I believe it's like verse 30, um, Jesus tells us this. He says, it's time for the God of this age to be judged and to be overthrown. And so when Jesus died on the cross, when he was raised from the dead, um, the, the power of Satan um, was crushed. The authority was taken back. It's why Jesus could say in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right? He, he now has the authority. And so we see that in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, that he was giving mankind back the ability to do what they were created to do in the first place. And this is what he tells us when he says, listen, it's not for you to know the, the times and the seasons and the dates. Those are under the Father's authority. And so he's saying, not yet. This, this restoration of the kingdom of Israel is not yet, but there will come a day when he returns and establishes that kingdom. But now instead of it just being the Jewish people, the Gentiles, the non-Jews will have been brought into this kingdom and he will come and restore this kingdom on earth, a physical kingdom, right? And then this is what we see him telling them though, is but, but, he's saying there's a period between my life, death, resurrection and ascension and my return in which authority has been given to Jesus, he's now given us authority to carry out what we were created to do. And so we exist in this time, this time where Jesus says, but you will receive power. And so we need to understand that our purpose is found between the life, death, resurrection and ascension and the return of Jesus. This is what we exist for. This is what we are here for. And our message is the same as it was for Jesus. The message is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Turn to God. The kingdom of heaven has come near us. He is with us. I want you to think about this because sometimes the kingdom of God, God's kingdom can really feel like something that's sort of mystical or super spiritual, um, not very practical, but, but it's really very practical. I want you to think about this. You can write this down to remember it that God's kingdom equals God's reign. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom coming on earth, 
When Jesus says pray that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, what's he saying? That God's reign as it is in heaven would begin to happen on the earth. That God's kingdom reign would happen on the earth. If we think about a king or a queen and, and, and we talk about their kingdom, what does that mean? That means they have this area that they rule, that they reign. And so Jesus is talking about, John the Baptist, even when he's talking about the kingdom, he's talking about God's reign, God's rule, on the earth. See, people were never intended to live in a, a monarchy. They weren't intended to live under like a communist government. We weren't intended to live um, under a socialist government. Even a democracy, it was never intended in God's original plan to be even a democracy. It was intended to be a theocracy. It was intended to be under the rule of God. You see this even in the beginning of the Old Testament, um, up until the prophet Samuel, um, you know, they're, they're ruled by God. There was someone who ruled as God led them, but then they come to this place where they elect King Saul. They demand a king, they re- and it literally it says this. God tells Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. They didn't want God to rule over them. And, and so the kingdom of God is God's reign. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring the kingdom, the reign of God back to mankind to make a way for us to live in this relationship, to live under the rulership of God and to do it in a way that is glorifying to him and in a way that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And here's the thing, guys, I want you to understand as we look at this, that we... we, we don't understand. We don't understand the power. We don't understand the potential. And we don't understand the importance of the reign of God. We don't understand the power, the potential, or the importance of the reign of God. We, 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 this is something that's been lost on us. We don't understand what this could really be, what this is really intended to be. We miss the power of this. Um, one time we were on a staff retreat and um, we, we were out on the beach. We went to St. Simon's. We had a staff retreat and, and, and we had a little break there between some sessions. And so um, John Irvin, who works here, had taken these balls he used for youth ministry and he, they were these blow up balls that um, you got inside of them. Anybody ever seen these? And I think you're supposed to like play soccer or something. You bump into, you know, and bump into each other, that kind of thing. Well, um, I'll be 45 in a few days, but in my mind, I'm still like 25, right? Like you don't think you're that old. And so we decided we would get in these things and and just run into each other. Well, I decided that as in most things in my life, I would just go all out with this. And we had a guy who who, um, was on staff here for a while, Micah Caldwell, he, um, he, 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 he moved to Nashville, and, and so uh, Micah moved up there, and, um, but before he left, he injured me. And the way he did this was he got in one of the balls, I got in one of the balls, and Micah McNair, that's what was throwing me off. I was like, Call, that is not right, Micah McNair. Sorry, Micah, if you're watching, I'm sure this will get back to you somehow on social media. I really apologize for that. You mean the world to me, and I am greatly sorry that I have called you by the wrong last name, but it's the heat of the moment kind of thing, spontaneous, and it was a slip of the tongue. So forgive me, we love you. I hope you are doing well and things are going well for you. 
um, and your family. And so anyway, um, we got in these balls and, and, and we uh, decided like, we're gonna run into each other. Well, Micah's a lot bigger than I am. Like he's like probably this much taller than me um, and, and, and bigger than me. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna run into him really hard. And literally we have a video of this. And by, about the time I hit him, my feet are horizontal because I'm like all into this, right? I'm just like flying in the air in this ball. And when we hit, it's, it was the hardest um, impact I've ever felt in my life. It was crazy. Like I had no idea this would come. It was like, as soon as we hit, it was like, bam, bam, like that. And we're both laying on the ground. But what happened for me is when we hit and we ran into each other, I came out of the ball. And so I went flying. One second, my feet are horizontal this way. The next second, my feet are horizontal this way. And, and so I land, I landed on my hip. And, and I want to show you this. Um, I don't know if I've ever shown you guys this or not. But this, that's a little zoomed in picture of what my whole hip looked like right here. It was, and, and this isn't even really as bad as it got, but right here was completely black. We went to eat dinner that night um, and we're sitting there uh, eating dinner and I could feel this thing tightening up. I'm like, mm, I'm eating, um. I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stand up after this. And so finally I'm like, well, I better try. And I'm like, um, and barely stood up, had this big, huge knot, had to go get it. Anyway, the point of it is like, I completely underestimated what I was doing. And in my 25 year old mind, I slammed into Micah and then um, bam, just like, I literally thought I broke my hip. I'm like, am I like 90 or what, you know? And so, but underestimated the power of what that was, the, the potential for energy and collision that was there. And we do the same thing in the kingdom of God. We, under, we misunder, um, or we underestimate the power. We underestimate the, the, um, just the, the potential of the energy of the kingdom of God. We don't realize what God has put in us and, and all that can be accomplished in, in the kingdom. When God's kingdom reign comes, when God's kingdom reign comes in our heart, when Jesus is truly the king of my heart and I begin to live out of that, we misunderstand, we don't understand the power of God's kingdom coming on the earth. And so um, here's the thing that, that I realize about the kingdom of God is so much of what we see on the news and everything that people are, are, are um, crying out for in the news and good things, um, justice, unity, love, all of these things. Here's what people don't realize is that the person, the, the, the being that wants that more than anybody else is God. All of these things are things that God desires more than any other person. I can promise you that. God desires it way, way more. If you look at some of the scriptures where we talk about justice, Micah 6, 8 tells us, what does God desire? He desires that we would act justice, justly, that we'd love mercy, that we'd walk humbly with our God. God's heart is a God of justice. Proverbs 11, 1, it tells us that God hates dishonest scales. What does that mean? It means he, he hates for people to take these scales and it's just a symbolic example. And he's saying, you know, the scales that they would weigh out grain and things like that, that sometimes they would cheat on those scales and they would grow wealthy dishonestly. He's saying, I hate injustice. God hates inequality. 
If you go and you look at Galatians 3, 26 through 28, Paul tells us that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. This was a huge ethnic and racial division that existed before Christ. He said, in Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. He says, because in Christ, you are all one. God desires equality more than any human being. How about love? We want to be a people that love. We want to love. We want all this love to just encap, you know, um, immerse the world in love. What were the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. How did Jesus say we would be known as his disciples? How should we be known as his disciples? By our love. What's the first fruit of the spirit that many people feel like sort of is the umbrella over all the other fruits? Love. If we really wanna see a world filled with love, guess what? We need to see the kingdom reign of God happen on the earth. How about unity? Everybody wants to be unified. Go read 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the middle part of Romans 12. If you go probably around verses, I don't know, seven or eight, somewhere right in there, go read Romans 12, go read 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about how there's many parts of the body and all of these parts are different and none of these parts are the same, but here's the reality of the whole thing. You're all one in Christ. You're all to be one unified, even though you're a diverse body, you're, you're to be one unified body. Justice, equality, love, unity, all of these things, God desires them more than we do. But here's the thing, here's the catch. There's always the but, right? I mean, even in the little slide here, let's get that gross thing off of there. But, but here's the catch. Everything the world says it wants is what God has offered from the beginning with one exception, with one exception. There's one exception to this, and that's this. Who determines the design? Who determines what it looks like? Who calls the shots? That's the one exception. Everything the world says it wants is what God has offered from the beginning with one exception. Who determines the design, us or him? Who calls the shots? See, when mankind is given a choice of playing God or serving God, we choose playing God every time. When mankind um, is, is, is looking for God, God's blessing, we want his blessing without his reign. God bless us, but don't be king over us. God bless us, but let me determine the design. God bless us, but let me call the shots. We want freedom from God, not freedom to do what God created us to do. I want freedom, I want freedom, but I wanna be able to do what I wanna do. I, I, I wanna be God, I don't wanna have to, to worship God, my goodness. There's no fun in that. We want autonomy apart from God, not a relationship with God. This has been the issue from the beginning. We, 
want to be him, not worship him. And what we need to understand is that worship, the heart of worship is alignment with God. It's literally bringing myself back under the reign of God, under the king is, is saying once again, Jesus, you are the king of my heart. You are the king of my life. Now, just as we looked at earlier, uh, we're living this already not yet kind of thing where one day Jesus will come and everything that's wrong will be perfected. And we live in this not yet time. But I want to tell you that this can happen to a substantial degree now. It can happen to a substantial degree now, but the church, we have to rediscover our purpose. We have to understand why we are here and we have to begin to pursue that purpose. As we pursue Christ, we fulfill his purpose. When, uh, I guess this was probably about three weeks ago, um, we had some friends come over and they were, outside so we were standing in the driveway talking and I've got a little beagle that runs around in the yard his name's Jack and um, he, he was running around kind of wanting some attention and uh, the, the, the guy that had come over to visit he and his wife um, he, he saw the beagle I said yeah, this is Jack he used to be a hunting dog he kind of got a little bit old and slow and so he just runs around the yard now and so um, anyway um, he goes and Reed was sitting there, my youngest was sitting there, and he goes, um, he goes, Reed, uh, that's kind of like your daddy when he played baseball. He was a little bit slow. And he said he just wasn't the fastest out there. He goes, You believe that, Reed? And Reed sat there a second, like he was 70 years old. He kind of sat there. He said, Well, slow and steady usually wins the race. And we've just fell out like a nine-year-old, right? Slow and steady usually wins the race. And here's the thing the church has to realize is slow and steady wins the race. Discipleship doesn't have a magic bullet. The kingdom reign of God doesn't have a magic bullet. We, we kind of want to see this happen, pow, like God just moves and all of a sudden, you know, you know how he moves? He moves in one heart at a time. His kingdom reign happens one heart at a time. Jesus becomes king of one heart at a time. Slow and steady wins the race. Day after day, I'm accomplishing the purposes of God in my life. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I heard a song or something just made me start reflecting on, on life a little bit. And, and I thought about where I was when I got saved. And I thought about how that night I, I told people, like, I'll never be the same again. Like, I knew I'll never be the same again. And I started thinking about the 20 years plus since that time. And if you had told me on that Saturday night when I first made Jesus king of my heart, all that would happen in that next 21 years, I would not have believed you. If you had told me I'd be standing here right now, I'd be no, 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 no. I would never do that every Sunday. But you know how I saw that happen? It was slow and steady. There were, there were never times, and I didn't get this perfect. There's ups and downs and heartache and joy. But it was slow and steady. One step at a time. 
And this can happen to a substantial degree. God's kingdom reign on earth can happen to a substantial degree, but he must reign in our hearts and we must commit to a slow and steady process of making disciples in the world from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends. This gospel message goes forward. And I believe this, guys, it may seem idealistic, but I believe this can happen to a substantial degree. The reason I believe this is because I do not believe that the sin that happened in the Garden of Eden is greater than Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I do not believe that the the work that Satan accomplished through man is greater than the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross and in his death and resurrection and ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I do not believe that for a second. So how then does God's reign take place? It takes place, number one, in our heart. It takes place in our heart. Jesus becomes king of my heart first. Here's the challenge for us in this culture that we live in. We've made God a burden rather than a delight. Even in the church, the way we have thought about the gospel, the way we have taught about the gospel, in many ways, we have made God a burden rather than a delight. We see God being the king of my heart as a burden to carry, not a freedom to enjoy, a freedom of relationship and a freedom um, to do what I was created to do. And part of that is because we miss a very primary part of what this looks like for Jesus to be king of my heart. Um, And that is that the first part of this is that Jesus' reign begins with a revelation of God's love. It begins with a revelation of God's love. The second thing that happens is this revelation of God's love leads to an abiding relationship with God. Um, When we look at this, Jesus tells us in John 15 that if we just abide in him, walk with him, um, continue in this relationship with him, that the fruit of our life will be produced. And so the third thing is that an abiding relationship produces a fruitful life, the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace, patience, all of those things listed in Galatians chapter five, um, an obedient life. Jesus tells us in John 14, 23, that anybody who loves him will keep his commands. And so when we really have a revelation of Jesus's love, which is what I had on that Saturday um, when I got saved and that has continued forever, like since that for 20 plus years that I cannot get over the fact that Jesus saved me and that he actually wants to use me and some way and some purpose in this time we live in, this this but you will receive power time, that's remarkable and you never get over that. And so this revelation of God's love happens, the revelation leads to an abiding relationship and abiding relationship produces a fruitful life. The problem for us in our culture is that we often skip over one and two and jump to three. We, we think that the whole Christian faith is just about an abiding um, or an uh, 
It's just about producing a fruitful life. And so we just begin to try to produce fruit apart from the abiding, apart from the relationship, apart from the revelation of God's love. We just try to produce fruit in our life. And so we try to create things. We try to do good things, more good things than bad things. And God becomes a burden, not a delight, because the first thing is first. I need to get my life together. I need to get rid of my sin. I need to need to produce good fruit. And what God is telling us is, listen, if you'll just come and focus on the relationship, I'll produce the fruit in your life. If you'll just get a revelation of my great love for you, and you'll live in this abiding relationship, I have promised you, fix your eyes on me, abide in me, and I will produce fruit in your life. It doesn't mean we ignore sin, no. But my eyes should be fixed on him. And trust me, trust me, if you walk with Jesus and you abide in him and you, you are led by the spirit, he will put his finger on plenty of things in your life and go, you know what? That's not my design and that's not best for you and that needs to go. And, and through this relationship, our lives begin to change. Trust me, my life still has a lot of changing to do but it's gonna happen because I'm abiding in Christ, not because I decide to make a better version of me. The way that happens, folks, the way this happens is that Jesus becomes king of my heart. Jesus becomes king of my heart thing I challenge you with today is Jesus king of your heart. Is he really? Because we got to get this right first in the church. Like Jesus isn't king of our heart because we show up at a service or even go to connect group or Sunday school or whatever we do. It's not because we put a fish sticker on our car. It's not because we listen to the Christian radio station. The challenge is, and the question to answer is, is Jesus king of my heart? If Jesus isn't king of my heart, then that's the first place to start. And maybe for many of us, we need to deal with that first, that saying, hey, Jesus, you are king of my heart. I'm worshiping you and I'm bringing my life back into alignment with you. Or maybe for the first time, I'm putting my life in alignment with you. You are king, Jesus not according to my will, not according to my design, but God, I'm giving you my life for you to design as you want to design it. And I'm just gonna focus on you. I'm gonna live out of this revelation of love. I'm gonna live in this abiding relationship with you. And I'm gonna watch you slow and steady change my life and use me for the glory of your kingdom so that your kingdom reign happens. I'm gonna challenge you with this. How many of us even take the first step in this that Jesus told us when he taught us to pray and gave us a model of prayer where he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you pray for that? Do you ask God, do we cry out and say, God, you are king and you deserve to be worshiped throughout the whole earth throughout the entire universe. 
So let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you flood the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? And God, would you do it through us as every day we live out this slow and steady faith, delighting in you, living out of the revelation of love you've given, living in this abiding relationship and watching you do in and through us, the body, what we can never do as we live in this time awaiting the return of Christ. The kingdom can come in a substantial way. Now, the last thing I'm gonna challenge you with this morning is if Jesus is the king of your heart, the song we're about to sing is called All Hail King Jesus, then let's declare it. The church is called to demonstrate and declare the gospel. Let's declare it. And then let's invest in our relationship with God so we're equipped and then let's let God set us apart and send us out so the earth is changed because the reign of God has come on the earth, one heart at a time. While we stand, let's sing. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning that we can declare your greatness, that we can declare your goodness. Father, we worship you this morning. We, we declare you, Lord. We thank you for a revelation of your great love. We thank you for the power of the gospel. We thank you that for us who believe, God, you are the king of our heart. And God, we all hail you as king this morning. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, if, if we have strayed, I pray that we would see the crumbs you've left for us to come back, that you are drawing us back, you're calling us back, that this morning we would submit ourselves to you under the rule and authority and, and, and rulership of Jesus Christ, and that, God, the kingdom would come, the earth, God, would never be the same again, that the earth would be filled, truly filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We love you, God.